0: My name's Dr. Gary Crotas, and I'm a coach, podcaster, and award-winning author of The Idea Mindset, a book about how to figure out what you want and how to get it. The unlock moment is that flash of remarkable clarity when you suddenly know the right path ahead. When I'm in conversation with my coaching clients, these are the breakthroughs that are so profound that they remember vividly where they were, who they were with, what they were thinking when their unlock moment happened. In this podcast, I'll be meeting and learning about people who have accomplished great things or brought about significant change in their life, and you'll be meeting them with me. We'll be finding out what inspired them, how they got through the hard times, and what they learned along the way that they can share with you. Thank you for joining me on this podcast to hear all about another Unlock Moment. Hello, dear listener, and welcome to another episode of the Unlock Moment podcast. A coach... A mentor and an expert in strategic insight, Fabronia Roaco's career has taken her around the world. A career history that includes such world-leading brands as McDonald's, Heineken, GSK and Twining's Tea. She's an expert in knowing what's going on in the market and how to find out if you don't know. So in our quest to navigate uncertainty in our own lives and careers, I can't wait to hear how she's translating that curious mindset into a new strand in executive coaching. And of course, I'm curious to explore the Unlock Moments of Remarkable Clarity she's experienced along the way. For Bronio Rocco, it's my very great pleasure to welcome you to the Unlock Moment.
1: Good morning, Gary. It's an absolute pleasure and an honour to be here with you today as well. I was very excited about
0: this. Oh, thanks so much for coming along. I'm really interested, having spent quite a lot of time in my career, working with insights teams. I love the mindset of people who are always trying to solve problems and figure things out in the way that I'm sure you are. Now, I believe that where we choose to start in telling our story offers a fascinating lens on who we are today. Where would we need to start in your story?
1: Oh, this is a very interesting question. And having listened to a number of your podcasts, I did give this quite a lot of reflection, and I think my big unlock moment, as a daughter of Italian parents growing up in the northwest of England, my big unlock moment was aged four when I started school. And that very first day was an introduction into a whole new world and culture beyond the one I was accustomed to at home. So my curiosity was immediately inflamed. It was like, oh my gosh, this is very different. We're now speaking English completely all the time. People's culture and mannerisms and behaviours and the way they interact with one another is very different. And a whole new world opened up for me.
0: And and you were born in the UK or born in Italy?
1: I was born in the UK Um, Mm. My mum at that time spoke predominantly Italian at home. I mean, Mm. as my brother and sister came along, she spoke more English. But when I was born, it was earlier on in her UK trajectory. So I was used to communicating with mama in Italian. So going Mm. to school and suddenly switching into English mode, it was all very new.
0: And there was a significant cultural shift between home and school then?
1: I think so. I think. seeing it through a child's eyes, my father had made sure that we spoke English. So as we were brought up bilingually, he was the English speaking parent and my mum was the Italian. So I spoke English. So I was very comfortable speaking English. But suddenly the way people interacted. And I remember thinking, why are they not shouting? (laughs) Because Italians are very loud. And then suddenly I noticed myself, moderating my own volume of voice and, and I remember also thinking we're drinking milk and eating biscuits in the afternoon but that, that's you know not something we do at home so I would go home and say to mum oh why can't we have milk and biscuits in the afternoon because obviously different dietary patterns. So it was a whole new world and navigating curiously and it was exciting and it was filled with lots of new experiences.
0: And as you were growing up what did you feel your culture to be? What did you feel your identity was like as a, as a teenager?
1: Now, that is a really big question because there were times when I did grapple with this identity because my parents were quite conservative and very loyal to their culture from the south of Italy, the village where they came from. And as I was growing up, I found myself leaning more into the British culture. Which sometimes caused a bit of a tension with my parents because I didn't agree with some of their aspirations for me or the way they wanted me to conduct my life and and career. So, as a teenager, I'd say at that point, I was starting to definitely lean more into the British culture.
0: Was there a moment when that really sort of came to a head and it was a choice to go left or right?
1: I think it was at sixth form where. My family were very keen that I should become a lawyer, but I had developed a very strong love of languages. You know, going right back from the start of speaking two languages as a child, I was in love with French and German and wanted to do languages at university. And I remember having big debates with my father at the time who, oh, you have to do law. What are you going to do with languages? You won't have a career. You know, the very traditional patriarchal view of career paths. And he meant well, you know, he was coming from the best of his own knowledge and experience. So I remember having that debate and actually winning it, but only winning it as long as I included Italian in the mix.
0: (laughs) When you think now, I mean, you know, you've had this amazing career in the world of insights. What is it about that upbringing that shaped you as a curious insights type of person?
1: I think my upbringing was very important because I spent quite a lot of time in Italy from a child. So I would flip flop between being at home in the northwest to being in the south of Italy, very different. The village Minori on the Amalfi Coast, still very traditional, where females had very traditional roles at that time. It's opening up now and becoming a, a lot more common for women to have careers outside of the family and home. But at that time, when I was a child, it was still very traditional in terms of the roles the genders played. So I would see women in my own culture in the UK quite evolved and working and having different paths, and then go to the south of Italy and see women dedicated to homes, raising families, cooking and cleaning. And I think quite early on, i I was quite clear in my mind that I wanted a career outside of the home.
0: You know you've had this great career in strategic insights, working across all these you know great global brands. Mm-hmm. What makes a great insights professional?:
1: I think it's curiosity at the heart, um, because the whole fascination is, why do humans do what they do? What are the underpinning reasons? for their behaviours and the choices they make with regards to brands. But there is a lot about their habits and practices, which is more psychology-driven than actually sales-focused. So if you're looking at a a project where you're looking to deliver a product across five markets, it's incredibly exciting because you get the different cultures, the different behaviours, the shopping patterns, the way the households are run. The values that are meaningful to the individuals in that culture. So there's never a dull moment. And overlaying that, you've got all the macroeconomic, macro sociopolitical factors as well. So you never stop learning. And that's something else that I really enjoyed.
0: So you've come into that into that world and in that career with with your own experience and, and insights on certain cultures, mm-hmm. How did that translate to learning about new cultures that you might not have personal experience of?
1: I think I'd learned already, because of the dynamics in my own household, that I didn't want to offend my parents and their choices. I'd learned to be quite diplomatic in negotiating with them. And that served me quite well, because when you're in marketing and working with different businesses and different markets and different cultures... You have to lean into the nuances of those businesses and those cultural perspectives. So I was very good at quickly getting up to speed with what those differences were, but then being able to communicate and navigate the business challenges around them, because I respected the individuals from all of those cultures, because it was the only way that I'd learned to end up successfully achieving your goals. You mustn't offend along the way.
0: It's interesting, I think, that you've got different dimensions of difference and change. And one is, you know, for example, as you're talking about, you know, across cultures, but another one is through time. And, you know, you're describing changes in the Italian mm. culture over over the generations. And you see the same in, in of course, probably every country, every culture is, is similar to that in, in, in the degree of change. Mm. When I think back to micro and retail, I remember... Very striking was how much customers changed their perspectives and, and, and behaviors between, you know, in my case, I was looking sort of the 2000s, 2010 through to 2020 was such a dramatic period of change mm. with digital shift and generational shift and the emergence of Gen Z, all that kind of stuff. And often you're finding that all of those things that people were familiar with and comfortable to talk about wasn't true anymore. How did you find that in Insight, being able to say everybody's got these embedded perspectives and maybe biases about how a certain culture is or how a certain generation is or how a certain product gets sold, and now suddenly we're seeing that shifting more rapidly than ever before? How How did you manage and handle that?
1: Well, I think I had good practice as well over the years because keeping in contact with my cousins and extended family I saw firsthand how the digital world impacted them, how they started to go out to work, how two incomes were needed in a family, even in the south of Italy. So, those things are evolutionary. But I think it's like coaching. You have to create a safe space in order to get an individual to open up with that degree of insight or degree of shared experience. So, That lends itself particularly well to qualitative insight, and you would choose a specific methodology. Like perhaps, if if it was very nuanced or personal, you'd look at doing an in-depth interview, so a one-on-one where the individual can explore those themes carefully and securely. So I think just being aware that some of those changes might be bumping up against their cultural values or religious values. And just setting up the conversation in a way to say if there's anything that is not comfortable or they don't wish to talk about, that's absolutely fine. But just being aware helps you to guide that conversation and exploration so you can then get to those deeper, richer layers of understanding.
0: Is there a story that you think about from your insights experience where you really found something out that... Was unexpected and changed your perspective or changed other people's perspective about what they should do next?
1: There was a soft drink brand and people will probably guess which one it is, which was competing with Coca-Cola, but it was quite fruity in content. And we were looking at why were people not drinking more of it in the summer? and the sales figures for coca-cola were much higher and you know the carbonation the fizziness of coca-cola it's so fizzy and delicious when you're hot and thirsty and this particular brand was not reaching the same levels and it turned out the composition of the fruit in the product made it difficult to glug so the gluggability of the product was restricting now it sounds like it would be pretty obvious but it's, it wasn't at first apparent. So in that exploration, we then looked at you know how how the loyal and less loyal felt about the product, and we were able to come up with innovation that modified the amount of fruit to make it more gluggable.
0: Isn't that interesting? And I think that you know what I hear in that is is you have to ask new questions about something that you might be quite familiar mm. with, you know. And I I know that you know in my experience. I've spent lots of time with people who've been absolutely convinced that their product is amazing. And the only issue is that their customers don't appreciate mm, it yet. Yeah. And therefore, the marketing needs to tell the customer more about how amazing it is. Uh, and actually, when you start to ask and answer some of these questions, you discover there's more to it than simply awareness and, and the rest of it.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So I'm, I'm fascinated with, with how this is now translating into coaching. So relatively recently, you've, you've gone on this journey of, training and and developing your coaching skill set. One of the things I'm fascinated to hear about is that many people who, like you and me, have a a strategic background and our jobs and careers have been about finding answers to difficult problems. How have you found the navigation into this role where it's not for you to bring the answers?
1: At the beginning, that was quite tough because as you do the switch from marketing leader to an executive coach, you realize the focus is on the coachee and not on you. So I'm not in the marketing boardroom having to perform to influence the board to make decisions based on the insights we've unearthed. This is about putting the individual at the heart of the exploration. And in a way, there were similarities because it's like putting the consumer at the heart of the strategic plan or exploration. But at the beginning, making that transition in mindset was a little bit tricky. I had to let go. I had to surrender that I'm always right or I am the winner here and really tap into my humility and compassion. But what I did have in spades was I'd seen over the years in the different marketing fast-paced environments that I'd been in how the pressures of the industry affect the individuals. And something that I took into coaching was that I wanted to be able to offer a safe space to those individuals and leaders who needed to do some work. So I had that. But I think to answer your question specifically, relinquishing that need for control was um, a challenge that I had to face head on right at the start.
0: (laughs) You know, I think that's such an important thing to, to explore, because we're talking about it in terms of, you know, training to become a professional coach as a sort of an additional strand to the things that you do. Mm -hmm. But it's equally true for leaders coming through a marketing or an insights or a strategy kind of path into senior leadership, because, you know, we're also looking to build coaching style in senior leaders as well. And it's exactly the same thing. You see many leaders who've come through that path will manage with a lot of information and knowledge and opinion and advice. Mm -hmm. And those that become really great leaders are able to park that or hold mm. that and still invite their teams to be more empowered too. I found it was like having a lobotomy, that's what it felt like mm. in, in the beginning of my coaching training. Because it wasn't that you were saying, I know I'm wrong. Because no. you might not be wrong. It was just, it's not my role exactly. this time to be coming with the answer. Um, So who are the kind of people that you love to work with in coaching?
1: At the moment, I've had experience of different levels of leaders within the marketing and insight industries. But I'm happy to work with anyone who is open to an exploration where they give some time to self-reflection to help them unlock their strengths. And I love it when at the end of the session or sessions, the individual has reached a, a, a moment of enlightenment or aha about their own strengths and capabilities. Um, it's fascinating. And I love the hum, whole humanity of coaching, the whole theory that we provide a safe space and we actively listen. And I think this actively listen comes up such a lot in the podcasts and discussions on LinkedIn that leaders often are so busy that they forget to just actively listen and give an individual that space to. Explore their questions or thoughts, and obviously, we're all familiar with Nancy Klein. But that was a revelation for me when we studied Nancy Klein: Time to Think, because it was so different to what I'd experienced in the marketing space.
0: And I was going to ask you about podcasts because I know you listen to a lot of podcasts and you do your weekly podcast Mm. review. What do you love to get from podcasts, and why is that something that that you've taken? so far in, in who you are?
1: It's the curiosity again, isn't it, rearing its head. I just love to learn new things from people, their, new, their experiences, the way their lives have panned out, what they've learned. I just find it absolutely fascinating. And I think for me, learning, academia, reading has always been such a huge part of my life that it's not an effort for me. It's something that I do second nature just because I really enjoy it derive immense value from
0: it the other thing I wanted to ask you about is because you and I both have quite eclectic career paths we've worked in lots of different areas and lots of different things and I'm often working with people where they're trying to figure out you know when when I'm maybe part way through my career or even in the latter half of my career and I'm wanting to show up and tell somebody in quite a succinct, pithy way. You know, this is who I am. This is what you need to know about me. This is why we should be talking together. And they sort of feel like they have to drop into this, you know, long biography of all the things they've ever done. There's a big thing that I think coaching can be really helpful for, which is how do you craft your story in your narrative when you're drawing on so many different threads? So for you in your Journey when you're thinking about how do I position myself to people in the today, how do you put together all of that history into something that that is succinct and meaningful for people that you're talking to? I
1: think first of all we're all a sum of experiences. So I know we often introduce ourselves as I'm a marketer or I'm a doctor or whatever, but we're actually a human being first. I'm me. I'm Fabronia, and I'm Anglo-Italian. So there's those kind of facets and variables that contribute to the whole career structure. But if you do a kind of mapping of all the things you've done, no matter how diverse, there's usually some kind of strand that underpins the whole trajectory. And I think, for me, the whole trajectory is underpinned by international multilingual marketing. So there is a combination of things that direct the whole course of the career. And then there's been elements where it's rolled off into separate areas, like being interested in health and well-being and executive coaching, which again feed into management of teams in an effective well-being and supportive way. So again, they all tie back to the same theme. So I think I would encourage anybody, who's got a varied or squiggly career, as we call it now, thanks to Helen Tupper and Sarah Ellis, that the more squiggly you are, the more interesting you are, the more things you've done. So be proud of that diversity and don't try and minimise it, but just bring it together as part of your whole experience. It doesn't need to be pithy. It just needs to be honest.
0: So for you, what does your path ahead look like? How are you integrating coaching with the insight work that you do?
1: Well, I'm still very much in both camps and enjoying that as I build my coaching experience and coaching expertise. And I love marketing and brand building so much that I'm not ready to give it up yet. So I think I have a few more years left in me of that as well. But I'm absolutely loving the journeys that I'm on in both those areas. So in marketing, we're currently looking at AI and all these developments of using generative AI in different methodologies and harnessing data. And it's very exciting because it liberates insight specialists to do more of the influencing and stakeholder management. So exciting times there. And in coaching, I'm just about getting ready to work up my hours for the ACC uh, submission with the ICF. So hoping to get that done this year. So a bit of work to do still, I think.
0: Fantastic. Well, it's going to keep you busy as we go through twenty twenty four. is which is always good to hear. So, for Bronia, how can people find out more about you and the work that you do?
1: People can happily reach out on LinkedIn. Uh, there's lots of detail on there. Contact me direct if you have any specific marketing or coaching questions. I'm always happy to help.
0: Fantastic. And and how do they find your podcast recommendations?
1: Uh, I tend to post them on a weekly basis. So um, different days of the week depending on how busy I am. But you, if you scroll down to my posts, you'll find them in there.
0: Fantastic. The Unlock Moment is that flash of remarkable clarity when you suddenly know the right path ahead. For Insight Specialist and Executive Coach Bronia Rocco, it was deciding to break away from the traditional path that began her journey of discovering her authentic self and creating a life and career that suited her just perfectly. Bronia, thank you so much for telling your story and for joining me today on The Unlock Moment. Thank you, Gary. This has been The Unlocked Moment, a podcast with me, Dr. Gary Crotez. Thank you for listening in. You can find out more about how to figure out what you want and how to get it in my book, The Idea Mindset. Find me on Instagram at Dr. Gary Crotez and subscribe to this podcast to get notified about future episodes. Most listeners to this podcast on Apple and Spotify haven't yet hit the follow button. If there's one thing you can do right now to help me out, then please click the follow button. The more followers I have, the better guests I can attract for you to learn from. Thanks again for listening and join me again soon here on the Unlock Moment.